Hi, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. Happy Turkey Day, everybody. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. We hope you had a great weekend, and we hope you had a wonderful holiday with your family. Thank you for joining us every single week. If you enjoy these conversations, please take a social media snap and post it, and let us know your thoughts. Leave us a review or any stars that you would like as well. If there are any topics that we haven't covered yet that you really want to hear us uh, discuss openly, uh, feel free to leave us a message and let us know what your thoughts are about any of the conversations that we've been having. And again, this is about increasing greater advocacy for increased representation in all walks of life in this craft. And I'll leave a note in the show notes where you can email us and message us. And don't forget, if you need transcripts, the link for that is going to be in the show notes as well. What puzzler do you have for us this week, Tim? Okay, I've got a great one for you. What was the first of five Cole Porter musicals that starred Ethel Merman? Ooh, and I have a feeling you're going to ask about what all five are they after you say as a bonus. I may do that at the very end. Uh, So let's (laughs) circle back at the end of our episode and we'll discover the answer together. So what's in the news this week? The first item I wanted to discuss was there are 13 new Rockettes that were hired to join the kick line this Mm -hmm. year. And NBC News did an episode regarding the Rockettes and the diversity that they are starting to include. And we talk about this quite often on our podcast about musicals, but we haven't really touched upon the Rockettes yet. And there were 13 new people that were hired, new females, and many of them from different backgrounds. Right. We're seeing many of them from varying age ranges, uh, many from different uh, uh, people of color uh, represented as well. There's a mom that mm-hmm. was hired, which I'm sure there are many moms that are Rockettes as well. But um, there was an 18-year-old female that was just hired. And so it was wonderful because she talked about uh, p- other girls looking and saying, oh my gosh, that look, that person's like me or that person is, you know, um, from a different, uh, you know, different background like me and not the typical Caucasian female that really has widely been seen on the stage in the Rockettes. I think this is fantastic because what's happening is we're starting to see young people watching the Rockettes and saying, you know what, I see myself now that it is possible for me to be a Rockette in the future. And I think that uh, the producers of the Rockettes are really trying to make a concerted effort to change the conversation about what it means to be a Rockette. Obviously, there's very specific height requirements, and those have kind of stayed intact. But in terms of the diversification of how the Rockettes look, I think it's a wonderful thing to be celebrated. And it's a start. But we see the results. Right. And it is slowly changing, but it is changing. And I started to really consider body image because Mm -hmm. even my, we were talking to my dad last night and the Rockettes came up and he was like, why are there not any men in the Rockettes? It's a great question. Yeah. And then I said, hey, that's the only thing we have that are female. It's all female. So leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought I was started to really consider the idea that they are from different backgrounds, but notice they are all the same height. They are all the same size. They are all the same look-wise regarding body image. So I want to circle back around to that as our topic today. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to also touch on this I thought was fascinating, and I, I know this is something that's really inspiring to you. And Tony Banderas has just opened a theater company in Spain. In Malaga, specifically. And he had a heart attack in 2016. 2017. 2017. 
And I will read this quote, and then I want to hear your, definitely hear your thoughts on this. So he said, quote, I came to the conclusion that I had to do the things that I want to do, that I don't want to die thinking I should have done that or I should have done this. And he said that quote on a podcast, shout out to the podcast, The Big Ticket with Mark Malkin Mm -hmm. on Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. Check that out if you want to hear the full episode. Tell us a little bit more about this, Tim. So as part of their uh, new first season, the first show that they have slated to uh, produce is the musical A Chorus Line. And what's really exciting about this is that Antonio Banderas himself is going to be co-directing this production with Bayork Lee, who was the original Connie on Broadway in A Chorus Line. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and and they're, they're going to be producing it in all Spanish language production. And I'm so excited to hear songs, sound clips, video bites about this show, only because obviously uh, Spanish is one of uh, one of the languages that I speak, but also the fact that um, this is the first time it's ever truly been adapted in this fashion. And so I want to see how how it works in terms of the composition, in terms of the lyrical structure and the uh, the text and the um, the book. We'll have to do some research and because it's already opened Mm -hmm. the musical opened on november 16th and it runs until january 19th would you like to say the title of the theater for us tim yes it's called el teatro del soho lovely (laughs) there's also rumors that it's going to move to new york or they're hoping that they can bring it to new york how amazing would that be to see a chorus line in spanish oh my gosh could you imagine an all spanish-speaking chorus production of a chorus line on broadway that is like an amazing, amazing thing to see. I would be like the first person in line to see that show. I wonder how it would be, how it would f- affect the musical, or if it, if it would affect the musical culturally at all, because you have, um, uh, what's the character's name? We have Paul San Marco and yes. Diana Morales as well. If that would affect the culture or if it would just be the same musical with everything the way it's written just in in Spanish instead of English. And you know what I thought about that and I think that the what m- makes this musical so timely and so and timeless and timeless well. is the fact that the idea of what it means to audition to want a role so bad and to go through the gr- the gr- grinding experience of auditioning as a dancer uh, as an ensemble member within a musical is universal yeah you're absolutely whether correct. you are in spain whether you're in america whether you are in italy or wherever in the world Everyone, every performer can relate to what it means to be part of that machine that is the ensemble and so i think the language I think it's a show that knows no language. That is so I didn't even consider that until you till you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. You're right. What just because it's in English doesn't mean it's an American story. It's every person's story. It's a story. universal story. That's Absolutely. Right. Well, we will have to um, check in with that and mm-hmm. see what's going on. I'll look up some videos and see if I can find anything as well. As I was looking at our news, I was starting to think about the Rockettes and also a chorus line. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the casting? When you think about those two shows, I think these are okay. So these two shows speak to dancers, right? Uh, shows like Chicago, West Side Story, shows that traditionally have revolve heavily around dance. I think there has been long been a stigma 
about dance musicals and how the dancers are physically viewed or physically appear on the stage. And I think we need to get to a place now where we need to change the conversation in 2019 about what it means to be um, a performer, a, a on performer, Broadway. a fit performer yes. on a Broadway stage. And let me even riff off of that. The topic I wanted to go into, if this is okay with you, mm-hmm. is the idea of how we look at performers on stage in all shapes and all sizes and all forms all across the board in the world. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about high school, college, community theater, regional theater, all the way up to Broadway as well. Right. But it's not just Broadway. Musical theater is happening all over the world. That's right. In many different levels. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so languages. <laughs> yes. And that's what's so wonderful about our industry. And I wanted to ask you, how do we address the stigma of body image in musical theater, not just in the musicals that are dance or dance oriented, like a chorus line or or the Rockettes, mm-hmm. but across the board as leading roles, as roles that aren't specifically written for a person that it's referring to their size? How do we break that stigma and how do we actively change it? One of the first things that we can do is actively cast curvy performers in our shows. Yes. Making it a point to say, you know what, uh, not just writing it down in a casting breakdown, saying mm-hmm. that we're looking for all performers from all backgrounds, all all shapes, all sizes. Mm-hmm. We are actually actively walking the walk. And I think that opens up a larger conversation in a multitude of different areas. But I think it's really important that we advocate for a new norm on the Broadway stage or in musical theater in general about body image. Yeah, because even where we are, even performing regionally, which is what we do, I don't want to see the same person that looks exactly like the original Mm -hmm. because it's going to be a different character. It's going to be that person has different experiences and, and, and a different life to bring something new to that character. Why does it need to be someone that's the same size? And why do we look at people in leading roles and why do they always need to be? We always assume that they have to look a specific kind of way yes. or a certain height or a certain hair color or a certain color Why does color the leading period? man need to be tall, thin, fit, and have suave brown hair? Why, why do we have that stigma in our mind? I think a lot of it comes from the early tradition of the musical theater. And I think that archetypes were created uh, by the writers and by the librettists and by the composers as to what they perceived you know, beauty was on stage. And I think that we need to change that conversation. We are evolving, but we have such a long way to go in this regard about how we define beauty on stage. Yeah, because that, that's such a crock of poo-poo. Oh, yeah. Right? That it's like you have to be thin and five foot six and, and you know, and we were raised like that. Mm-hmm. And especially in undergrad for us, it was, I know many of you out there, if you're over the age of, you know, if you're our age, you know, 40 and up, you're saying they're going, yep, yep, that was, that was me. And we have to change that conversation now for those young actors coming up and those in college that we're training mm-hmm. and those that we're working with. But you're right. It has to start with casting. I also think that we need to have more open conversations with young performers about this idea. I think what they're seeing on TV often is not a true reflection of where the industry needs to go in terms of body image. I think, you know, social media and and television is reinforcing the stigma this negative stigma about body image. And we as educators, as professionals, as this next generation, this next crop of professional leaders and mentors that are coming up in the industry need to remind our young performers 
that we need to have open conversations about, you know, for example, if I have a student coming to me saying, you know what, um, I'm a curvy performer, I really want to be in a chorus line in the spring, is there an opportunity for me? And we need to say, yes, there is. As long as you have the technical ability to handle a show like this from a dance perspective, there is definitely an opportunity for you to be seen in a multitude of different roles in this show. And I think having that conversation allows them to think, oh, even though I don't look like the people that have been in that show before, that isn't the, the important right. factor. And that is the thought that we have to change, not only in the young performers coming up, but people our age and older than us. Mm-hmm. Why am I walking on stage being looked at immediately? That's the, that's the first thing we're always told. You walk on stage or you walk to audition and you look at what do people look at you and how do they perceive you? Mm-hmm. And it's that idea we're trying to break of type. What is the type of a leading man? What is the type of a leading female? We are trying actively to break that stigma and that idea. And it's really not going to change as much as we can tell our students or as much as we can say to our, you know, people that we train or people, our friends that ask us these questions. It's not going to change until we start casting people of all shapes, all All sizes, sizes in roles that have nothing to do with their type or their look that have nothing to do with physicality. That's right. And it's not going to change until we do that. Well, and, and, and I noticed, you know, I, I've, I've done shows where the first thought in many of my students' head is, oh, they're doing a certain musical. I've got to make sure I lose weight or I have to get in the gym. Oh, and, my gosh. And you know what? Yeah. I, talk to, I talk, often talk to my students about, you know, what is healthy mind? What is healthy body? What is healthy spirit? Yes. It's kind of the three tenets that I know I live, live by when I'm teaching my students. Mm-hmm. When it comes to healthy body, I think, yes, obviously taking care of your instrument so that it's at its peak performance ability, but that's going to mean something entirely different to every single kind of performer. You know, my image of how I, how I take care of my body in terms of fitness and in terms of health, in terms of eating, is very different than another person. And so to reinforce the fact that you need to do what is best for your body and your spirit and your mind to be at its peak performance level, not anyone else's image of that. And there are many people that do not have, at some, at some points in their career, don't have the ability to understand yet how I get my body and how I achieve my goals mm-hmm. of what I want my body to be. I know many students that just don't have the tools of, I, I, I want to be more fit. I, I want to, you know, I want to have, um, I want to change my body and, and be a bit more in, in this type of a dancer mm-hmm. shape, but I don't know how to get there yet. And I think those are the questions we're talking about, That's teaching right. them nutrition and health and fitness. But also, if you're happy with your body and you can do what you want to do, why is it my place to judge you based on It should on never that? be. It should never be. You know, there, there are programs, I remember way back when I used to hear stories when I was an undergrad, they used to do weigh-ins, you know, okay. uh, and what are we, what are we teaching our students by requiring them to weigh in and maintain a certain body image? You know, we're just, uh, I, I have to believe that that has gone away. My hope is that I It do. has not. And I can attest that because <laughs> I grew up in, <laughs> it was friends in colleges mm-hmm. that, you know, told me about sweating out in the car. And I, I didn't go to a college that required that. Or I, if people did in my school, I didn't feel that need. Right. But I'm just a person that I have a smaller petite body frame. Mm-hmm. So that's just not something that I've thought of. You know, I'm always like, God, I wish I was taller. That's always what I think. I'm always trying to make myself taller. But it, it does still happen. And I know it's still happening. That is so unfortunate. 
And unfortunately, we have these conversations mm -hmm. because we try to reach people. We try to have the conversation. And the idea, that old mentality of you must be tall, lean, fit, thin, it just does not represent human beings well, in and, this day and age. And if we're talking, we've been talking so heavily for the last, you know, how many months about, you know, seeing diversity in all walks of life, seeing what we see on the street represented on the stage. And yeah. that includes curvy performers. Yes. You know, that, that doesn't just, it isn't just native to performers of color. Absolutely. We need to include body, uh, the, the conversation about body image in this entire diversity conversation because it is very much an issue that is being, needs to be addressed more, with more frequency today. Mm -hmm. And even people of different heights, I can't tell you how many times I have people that say to me, you know, oh, you're not, you're not tall enough. I get that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, five, five flat without heels. And I get that all the time. You, you know, you, if you were a couple inches taller, you could be in all the ensembles or you could play all those roles. And I'm just sitting here going, I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't change that. I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And there is a just a stigma that you must look like people on social media where they have right. edited the photo. And we as human beings cannot do that to ourselves. That's right. We do not know where somebody, what someone has been through, what someone is going through right now. And because they are not the way you perceive they should look does not mean that they are not a talented artist. That's exactly right. And I just want to remind all of you uh, out there that um, there is a place for you in this industry. Absolutely. And keep working to maintain that idea of a healthy spirit, a healthy body, a healthy mind in whatever way that means for you. That is not someone else's image of what beauty is. It is your own image of beauty. And rest assured that there are people like us that are going to support you and that are going to find opportunities for you in the theater, in the musical theater specifically, as directors, artistic directors. And it's something that I know Ashley and I are going to continue to champion. Uh, so, yeah. Tim, I know you have an answer to that puzzler for us. Okay, so let's go back to the question. Okay. What was the first of five Cole Porter musicals that starred Ethel Merman? The first musical was Anything, Anything Goes. I was waiting for you to sing it, Tim. I Anything know. Goes. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, anyway. Just a little bit of backstory. Uh, Anything Goes actually wasn't the original title for the show. Uh, it had gone through a myriad of different uh, title changes. The, uh, the first draft of the show was actually called Crazy Week, which oh. became eventually Hard to Get. Yes. And then finally, Anything Goes. And another little, small little tidbit about Anything Goes, the original plot actually involved a, a bomb threat, a shipwreck, and human trafficking on a deserted island. So um, so exciting for the 1930s when this exactly. musical was Exactly. <laughs> Not what it turned out to be. And then the other five musicals, in case you're wondering, the first one was Anything Goes. Mm -hmm. And then starring Ethel, Cole Porter also wrote Red, Hot, and Blue. Mm -hmm. Dewberry was a lady. Uh, Panama... Panama hey, Hattie. Panama Hattie and something for the boys. Yes. And of course, we know Ethel Merman for her brassy voice. Yes. And she was brilliant as Reno Sweeney, the original Reno Sweeney and Anything Goes. And we know her from Gypsy as well. Mm -hmm. We're going to leave you with a little sound clip of Alicia Humphreys, who's talking about her response to a reviewer that made a comment about her weight when she was performing in Smokey Joe's last year and how... She thinks, just like we do, that the stigma of body image needs to stop. That's right. 
So take a listen. Shout out to Alicia. You're brilliant on stage. And we hope everyone had a wonderful holiday weekend. And we will see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. They could have just said the costuming was uneven. She didn't mention how the costumes were fitting or ill-fitting on any of the men. I think that there is an underlying problem with the fact that she doesn't see the problem in singling me out against the other girls for being bigger than. Coming from a woman, I just think it's her responsibility to stick up for other women. I hope she can woman up.